Thanks for joining us here in the Death Shifter Den once again. Our five friends may be drying off this week, but their adventure isn't drying up. Those Aquafarians and Myrmazons were pretty cool. I wonder what other creatures we'll be introduced to. Who knows? I'm just waiting for the red caps. Fuck those scary little shits. I want Callie to ride a unicorn into battle. I'm personally just holding out for some Wolpertingers. You're gonna be holding out for a long time there, buddy. There's the mail. Let's head on over to read some questions. Alright, our first question comes from Davik 84 What can you tell us about Clay's past before the friends found him? Mind your own fucking business, guy. I'm not falling for that and spoiling anything else. We can't really answer that, but eventually Clay's past will unfold and we'll get some answers. The next question comes from Fighting Seahorse 22 I listened to the bonus episode about Orcs Giving. What other holidays are celebrated in the world of Death Shifter? Well, if you pay attention to Herman's lines, he references a lot of orc holidays. This is due to the fact of them being societal outcasts for so long. They derived and invented their own holidays from a lot of the typical ones. Although I'm sure we will discover more from other races in the future. And our last question comes from Vanishing Fox 1991. Clay and Callie almost hooked up in the last episode. Is it going to happen still? Well... Who can say? Love is a mysterious thing, as is the nature of all conscious beings and their carnal desires. Uh, who knows what'll happen in the future, especially pertaining to matters of the heart. But honestly, Dakota, I don't know what's gonna happen. It's, uh, it's a mystery to us all. <laughs> oh, here he comes. I made a deal with him to speak before the episode. Hey, Death Guide, you ready to talk to the listeners? Thanks for giving me that good stuff. Let's jump into the episode. Episode 4, Living in the Land Down Under. Clay, Callie, Barry, and Herman wake up inside of the giant room Iris escorted them to the night before. Barry looks around while grabbing Clay's necklace and tossing it over to him. Aw, aren't you just the cutest, sleepiest little Poseidon's blade? Did you sleep comfortably, sweet prince of death? Clay chuckles, letting the necklace pierce into the metal of the blade. A couple of seconds pass by before his body sits upright on the floor. He turns and looks at his friends. I was so tired last night, I didn't even think about it. Did Wesley stay with Iris? Herman sits up on the bed across from Clay. He should have. It's been a while. Callie snickers while sitting on another bed with Barry. She stands and walks over to the enormous glass window, looking out over winter's dawn. About time he cleaned out the pipes. Any longer and it might have rusted. But man, what an incredible view. Clay stretches before joining Callie. He nervously laughs while turning to her. Uh, so, about last night. Do you still want to? Callie reaches out to shake his hand. Uh, it's gonna be a no from me, dog. Herman and Barry laugh while Clay walks away from Callie towards Poseidon's blade. He smiles while picking it up. Let's just forget about it and not make it weird. Wesley walks through the door and looks over at him. Make what weird? You and Callie almost hooking up last night? You should thank Herman. He saved you from all those nasty elf diseases. Callie erupts into laughter while sitting back down on the bed. <laughs> Careful, Wes. Your stupid is showing again. Everyone knows that elves don't get diseases. Before Wesley can reply, Barry flies over to him, looking at his wings. Whoa, Wes. Do your wings have a stiffy? He smirks. 
They're going to be like that for a little while. Herman walks over with his shirt and throws it at him. Here's a shirt, you sick dragon bastard. Cover up. He catches it while Iris walks into the room, smiling at them. Does that mean you really like me, Wesley? He starts to blush. I, uh, let's talk about that when my friends aren't around. She laughs while walking over to give him a kiss. (laughs) It's okay, Wes. I really like you, too. She turns to the others and puts her hand out towards the door. A couple of seconds pass before Tevin walks into the room with Poseidon following behind him. He nudges Tevin forward with his other blade. This is your last chance, bro. Go against our agreement and these five will kill you where you stand. Herman grabs the blade from Clay's hand and brings it to Poseidon. What is this traitor doing here? Before he can respond, Tevin steps forward while putting his head down. My brother and I have made a deal. He's to spare my life and I'm to make amends and lead you to the core of our planet. Barry lands on the ground next to Herman and looks to Poseidon. Uh, no disrespect, Great Guild One, but why does your creepy, treacherous, murdery-ass brother want to take us to the core? Poseidon moves past them and stands next to his brother. You survey bros have given us a much-needed lesson. Tevin and I have agreed on trying to work things out, but he has to earn our trust. If he betrays you, you're to take his life and carry out your mission without him. Hopefully, it does not come to that. He can actually be of great assistance in the matter of traveling to the core. Tevin kneels and bows to the five friends. Please, surfy bros, let me show you that I can change. I will take you to the core to see my good friend Seth. He isn't an ancient, but he's been around just as long as them. Herman looks back with excitement in his eyes. There are two possibilities. Either a mole or lizard person that remembers everything before they had the capacity for complex thought or higher cognition, or an extinct species that was thought to have died off long ago. Tevin stands and looks back at him. Your second assumption is correct. Seth is an extinct species that disappeared hundreds of years before Fade. You will have to travel with me to the core to see him yourself. He doesn't like anyone knowing that he exists still. Callie chuckles while looking at Clay. <laughs> Sounds like you made this whole thing up, but whatever helps you sleep at night, Tevin. Paul Sidon laughs while patting his brother on the back. It's true that Tevin had imaginary friends growing up. Fortunately, Seth isn't one of them. I met him a while back and gave him the song of fire and ice cream. Get it? Because of a banshee? Barry walks over to him. Awful titles aside, you still have half the book, right? Paul Sidon backs up towards his daughter. I did say that. It's Seth who has my half. The other half is with whoever he gave it to. I told him not to tell me so that it would be harder for anyone to find. Vlad was very specific when he said no one should ever find it unless he wanted them to. Clay scoffs. <laughs> it appears that there is more to Vladimir von 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 than we thought. But we've already made it this far, so we should keep going. Wesley stands behind him. Agreed, but again we need to make sure we're back to the von 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 castle by Saturday. I really don't want to miss the rest of the tournament. Herman shrugs his shoulders. We can't stop now, but I also did promise Bernice that I would be there, so we better go quick. Barry looks at their friends laughing. (laughs) Well, it's only Tuesday, so I'm sure if we leave now, we'll make it to the very important mature adult drinking game, guys. Callie scoffs before agreeing with all of them. Uh, we should probably go get this book as fast as we can, mainly because I don't want to miss out on the chance to kick Veronica's ass this weekend. Paul Sidon stomps his foot down in irritation while crossing his arms and staring at them. I'm confused, Surfy Bros. Are we all on the same page here still, or...? Clay nervously laughs at his friends. <laughs> Guys, it's fine. I'll make sure we get back to the Von Von Von's castle on Saturday. You'll make it back to play with Bernice, Herm. Barry and I will be there with the two of you, and we're going to win this whole thing. Sorry, Herman. Herman pats Wesley on the back. 
It's fine. I just want to have fun and play games with my friends. Clay turns to Paul Sidon. We're still on the same page. We'll follow Tevin to the planet's core and get the half of the book that your friend Seth has. Paul Sidon claps his hands together while looking at his daughter. It's settled then. We can return back home to speak with our people. Iris puts her head down before turning to Wesley and the others. I'm not going back. Wesley and his friends mean more to our world than any other surfy bros that we've met. I'm tired of living down in the great depths. You need to leave before the others shut the way back for you. Our leader can't be stranded up here for 50 years. Paul Sidon holds his tears back before leaning in to hug her. <coughs> I knew this day would eventually come. You'll do great things, Iris. Be careful, my child. Lead the Aquafarians with grace and chillness. And always honor the fallen, like my boy Troy. She nods her head while watching him walk out the door. Iris looks over to Tevin. I will follow you to the tube. You are to honor the deal you made, Tevin. He bows to Iris before turning to the others. The tube is a transportation system that was built into the ground that surrounds our world. Some of the ancients, along with Seth and the others underground, helped build them. The five of you are small enough to travel together. I'll either follow or go first. The choice will be yours when we arrive. Clay steps forward. How far is it from here? Iris smiles while grabbing Wesley's hand. We're already where we need to be. She walks to the center of the room before kneeling to the ground and swiping her hand across it. A yellow light flashes and creates a door. It slowly tilts upright and stands in front of Wesley. He looks to Iris. Will I see you again? She smiles at him while opening the door. I'll be there at the tournament on Saturday to root you and your friends on. Better not miss it. The door swings open to a cylinder chamber with transparent walls. The yellow light returns and brightens the room up. Tevin looks to Clay. This is where you decide. Do you and your friends want to go first, or shall I? Clay looks at his friends before turning back to Tevin. None of us have ever been to the core. You need to go first and better not try anything. When we're together again, we can go see Seth. Tevin bows to Clay before entering the cylinder chamber. Iris shuts the door and the light starts to flash while a whirring noise can be heard. It gets louder and suddenly the chamber shoots into the ground. Clay and his friends look down and see the hollow tube carrying it. Herman looks at Iris, grinning wide. This is amazing. We don't have anything like this on the surface. Callie stands next to Barry and Clay. I didn't actually think the core would be a habitable place. Barry gets a serious look on their face while staring at Iris. It's time to get our sleuth on, kids. I love me a good mystery, but one thing this adventure has shown me is that there's too much we don't know about the world and our place in it. Wesley turns and looks at them. I've never been one to believe in fate, destiny, or whatever you want to call it. But I don't have any other answers to why we're here. Clay thinks for a couple of seconds before smiling. All I know is that the five of us are great at working together and getting shit done. Let's keep learning about the past while having a good time. They all agree while the lights flash and send the cylinder back up the tube. Iris opens the door and waves for the friends to walk inside. She leans in and kisses Wesley. Keep an eye on Tevin. I still can't tell if the deal he made with my father was a serious one or not. See you Saturday. Wesley kisses her and steps back to stand with his friends. The door shuts and Callie laughs. <laughs> Better keep it in your shirt, mister, or you're going to embarrass us when we get there. Herman looks over at him. Have you still not put on the shirt? Come on, Wesley, keep it in your pants. Wesley's wings finally go back down as he puts the shirt on. He smiles while the chamber shoots them down the tube. I'm in way too good of a mood right now for your shit to affect me, Callie. She smiles back at him and nods her head. Well, soak it up while you can. Nothing lasts forever. 
Barry points through the transparent walls at the electricity circling around the tube as the cylinder twists and turns through the different elements that make up the planet's soil. The chamber they're in starts to heat up as they pass through the rock and get closer to the core. One final turn puts them onto an aluminum track inside of what appears to be a subway station. Clay hops out of the cylinder and walks over to Tevin standing with a mole and a lizard person. I appreciate you staying and waiting for us to arrive. How far are we from Seth? Tevin looks to the other two with him before turning back to Clay. My brother Paul has been away from the court for a very long time. Things have changed down here. I'm keeping the arrangement I made with all of you, but there is very little I can do down here without certain authority. These two rank higher than me and will be the ones to take you to Seth. I have to go and see one of our leaders and let him know the repercussions of my actions. Please listen to Phil and Lacey. Tevin bows again before leaving the tube station. The lizard person steps forward while sticking their hand out towards Clay. It's a pleasure to be at your service. My name is Phil. I am rank number 10 here. Clay reaches out and grabs Phil's hand. He shakes it while looking around. Where is here? And what exactly are you ranked 10 in? Phil laughs while the mole person shakes Barry's hand. I'm Lacey, and I'm ranked 1 below Phil at 11. The five of you have entered into the underworld. No relation. Phil walks over and shakes Herman and Wesley's hands. The Underworld was founded long ago by creatures that were going extinct. They couldn't survive any longer on the surface with the other races thriving and advancing further than them, so the creatures like Seth worked with some ancients that were willing to help. Lacey joins in while shaking Callie's hand. A couple of dragons, yetis, leprechauns, a pegasus, and even a couple of banshees all helped them build this wonderful world that lies just outside of our great planet's core. The heat helps run the entire world down here without using up any energy. It's entirely core-powered. Herman runs around the tube station, examining everything. I would have loved to have picked all the brains of the engineers that made all this. Clay walks around, looking at the ingenuity used to build the station. Seriously, Herm. They had to be incredible creatures to do this. Phil stands with Lacey, smiling. A lot of them are still alive and here in the underworld. I'm sure you will have an opportunity to speak with some of them. Oh, and to answer your question about the ranking system, we call ourselves the Observers. Lacey steps forward. As our name implies, we observe. Our main job is to scout and obtain information on everything in the world. That includes the surface, the oceans, our skies, and the underground. Barry smiles wide while looking at them. My parents told me about this place, but I thought they were just fables. You know, kid stuff. Phil puts his hands out in front of himself and makes an oval while bowing to Barry. The stories are true. We are the Allegiance of Eyes, or Allegiance is what our observers call ourselves. Lacey smiles while bowing and forming an oval with her hands. I am surprised that you don't recognize us, Barry. Your parents were close friends and even allowed us to visit Luminessa on multiple occasions while they were helping us with the construction of the Underworld. Barry looks back at them confused. Two of you knew my parents? Lacey grabs Phil's hand. Knew them? Did something happen to Claire and Roger? Callie places her hand on Barry's back. They were accompanying me and other elves on an expedition. Out of nowhere, these strange-hooded creatures ambushed us. We fought back as much as we could. After the skirmish, Barry's parents and the other pixies were nowhere to be found. Not even a trace of them was left behind. Barry falls to their knees. I was only five when my parents left. I watched hundreds of other pixies leave with them, but none came back. I waited at the city's gates for days until Callie finally returned. Wesley sits down next to Barry. Jeez, I'm sorry, Barry. I never knew that was what actually happened. I remember seeing the news with my mom and sister that day, but they never mentioned anything about pixies going missing. Herman joins them and comforts Barry. My father knew about what happened and thought they left out some of the information. He was too afraid to leave our town because of it. 
Clay places his hand on Barry's back while looking at Lacey and Phil. You said you and the other Allegiance members are observers that see everything, right? So what did you guys see? What took the Pixies that day? Phil nervously looks at Lacey. The Allegiance had some observers that were a couple miles away from the incident, but unfortunately, they weren't there to witness it themselves. The Pixies were helping us close to every day. Then after our last visit to Luminessa, they stopped coming. Lacey kneels in front of Barry. Your father, Roger, and Phil had a disagreement. Phil and I were concerned with them traveling with the elves for that expedition. We didn't think it was the right time for Pixies to come out of hiding. Barry stands and wipes the tears from their eyes. None of that matters now. Let's just do what we came here to do. Clay grabs Barry's hand. Are you sure? We can spare the time to listen to them. Barry nods while putting a smile on their face. (laughs) Thanks, Clay. You're the best. I don't need to ponder or reflect on why my parents left anymore. What's done is done, and it was done a lifetime ago. Callie scoffs while looking over to Phil and Lacey. (laughs) You heard the pixie. Take us to the damn book. We got shit to do. Phil bows to them. I am sorry. Now follow us into the underworld. We will take you to Seth. The five friends walk out of the tube station. Lacey moves over to Phil and whispers to him. We must speak to Vlad. He might have more information on the pixie's disappearance that day. Phil nods his head. I agree. We could speak to him after we take the surface dwellers to Seth. The two catch up to the friends and lead them through a cavern lined with metal. As they get to the end of it, it opens up to an underground valley with hundreds of primitive buildings standing in it. Giant trees with grass surrounding them are scattered in between the buildings. Clay looks at his friends. I can't believe this exists in our world. Herman takes a deep breath next to him. A place like this seems like it would be uninhabitable. Wesley stands next to them in disbelief. Grandpa Ed joked about the underworld. Why did he lie to me? Callie laughs at him. (laughs) Even if Grandpa Ed is still alive, he's probably a massive senile old fuck. Barry chuckles while floating above them. You think it's a stretch of the imagination after seeing this? I'd believe anything at this point. Phil interrupts them. Your Grandpa Ed, huh? Are you talking about Edgerton Valshire? Wesley smiles wide. Yep, that's my Grandpa Ed. You know him? Lacey jumps forward. We know him better than anyone! Where do you think he spends all of his time? Wesley's grin fades. He's a tough dragon to find these days. It's been a while since I've seen him, but I suppose that's because he doesn't want anything to do with a surface dweller. Phil pats him on the back. Don't take it personally. Those from the old world like to have their privacy. The surface dwellers don't understand their ways of life, and that's why everything down here was built as it was long ago. Our primitive nature is what we enjoy here in the underworld. Clay smiles while pushing Wesley. <laughs> you couldn't live down here, Wes. That surface life needs you. He laughs while pushing him back. I am the surface life, bro. The two of them start to walk toward the city while Callie chuckles behind them. <laughs> what the fuck are you even talking about? Herman and Barry roll their eyes while following their friends into the underworld. Phil and Lacey get in front of them and act as their tour guides. As they walk down the path, they get to a hut with a green tarp covering the top of it. Tevin yells from inside. Surfy bros, get your asses in here. Phil sighs before pushing the tarp to the side. (sighs) Let's make this quick. I told Seth that we would get to him before supper. Lacey turns to the friends. Seth isn't fun to talk to when he's hungry. The five friends walk into the hut. Tevin sits on a chair next to a saber-toothed tiger. This is one of our top engineers in our world. A good friend of mine. Steve. Callie runs over and reaches her hand out for Steve. No fucking way. Is that a saber-toothed fucking tiger? I want to touch it. Can I? He laughs at her. Of course. I never turn down pets. Especially since everyone is usually scared to give them. She smiles wide while rubbing her hands on his head and back. Barry walks over and joins her. Oh, his 
fur is so soft. Steve continues to laugh. I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that this is your first time meeting a saber tooth. Callie nods her head. I had seen plenty of your kind long ago. You guys were in the process of becoming more civilized, so we stayed away in fear of not being able to understand each other. Steve nods his head. That was a wise choice. We were very aggressive when we began developing a higher capacity for cognition and empathy. Trying to understand while remembering everything you did and were before becoming that way is tough. Unbearable for some. Years passed and we adjusted before almost becoming extinct. Seth was the reason we evaded extinction. Herman looks at Tevin. Why are you here with Steve instead of staying with us? Tevin nods his head. Steve's ranked number two. He stays in the underworld and collects the information obtained from the scouts. I had to come see him and let him know everything that I've seen and been through. Steve smiles wide. There is no knowledge or information that passes into the underworld without me knowing it. Clay smirks. So if you're ranked number two, then Seth must be number one? Phil, Lacey, Tevin, and Steve erupt into laughter before Steve replies. <laughs> Once you meet him, you'll understand why we're laughing. Phil pushes the tarp to the side and looks to the friends. Seth isn't a part of our ranking system anymore. He is the last one of his kind and can't risk leaving the underworld. Lacey walks out of the hut while waving for them to follow. It's hard to describe him, especially to someone that hasn't seen his kind before. You'll just have to meet him yourselves. Tevin yells out to them as they walk along the path toward a giant building standing in the center of the city. Be careful, surfy bros. If Seth is eating, then stay away until he's done. I'll be here with Steve waiting. Steve laughs while the two walk back into the hut. Huh. Seth hasn't met someone new since your brother. It'll be interesting to see who he chooses. Tevin snickers with Steve. <laughs> Maybe he'll choose a couple of them. The five friends get to the huge building in the center of the city and stand staring at it while Phil and Lacey step back. We get entered into the building with you. Unless you're ranked top seven or have been requested by Seth, you can't go inside. Clay takes a step toward the building. It starts to rumble as a low growl is heard from inside. He turns back to his friends. Guys, let's go. I'm not going in there alone. Herman, Wesley, Callie, and Barry take a deep breath before stepping forward with Clay. The five of them enter the enormous building and stand staring at a completely hollow inside. It's dark, and they can see an outline of something massive towering above them. It reaches up and clicks on a light hanging down from the ceiling. A giant ground sloth stares down at the five friends. You're the food they brought for me today? I guess it'll do. The giant ground sloth reaches down and grabs Callie and Wesley. I'll start with the dragon and elf. I've tried your kind before, but not the others. Callie and Wesley struggle to break free. Ugh, get your filthy fucking hands off me before my friends come and beat the shit out of you. Don't let this overgrown bear eat us. Herman, Barry, and Clay run toward the giant sloth. They punch and kick, but the tough hide on the sloth hurts them instead. The giant ground sloth erupts into laughter. <laughs> I love the reactions I get when meeting new people. I'm not going to eat any of you. He places Callie and Wesley down before sitting on the ground in front of them. I'm Seth. The last giant ground sloth in existence, and one of the many great minds that created the underworld. Clay nervously looks to his friends before moving closer to Seth and sitting down. I'm Clay, and these are my friends, Herman, Wesley, Callie, and Barry. We were sent here by Paul Sidon. He said you had half the book we were looking for. Seth chuckles while sitting back against the wall, causing the building to lean. Uh, I only met Paul once. He's a nice guy. The day we met, we spoke of many things. One of those things happened to be this book you're talking about. A Song of Fire and Ice Cream is the title. Get it? Because of a banshee. 
Callie groans. And that book title is still the dumbest fucking thing I've heard in a long time. Clay chuckles. <laughs> yeah, that's the book we're looking for. Vladimir von 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 sent us to Paul, and now we're here. Seth sits forward while looking down at Clay. Vlad sent you to Paul? Why wouldn't he have just sent you here? He knew I had half the book. Uh, I shouldn't question it. He is ranked number one, after all. Barry sits next to Clay. Wait, you're telling me the super mysterious vampire mayor of our city is the number one ranked secret Illuminati member? Huh, I guess that actually makes sense. Seth nods his head while sitting back against the wall. Yep, Vlad is one of the main reasons the underworld was constructed. After its completion, he still wasn't satisfied, though. He and I created the Allegiance of Eyes and started recruiting observers. Herman smiles while sitting with them. Vlad's one sneaky dude. We should have known. Callie joins them and leans back while placing her feet into Barry's lap. Yep, Vlad is still a penis. Wesley stands behind Clay, looking up at Seth. So, what can you actually tell us? Vlad obviously sent us to Paul first, knowing something was going to happen. Seth shrugs his shoulders. I wish I could give you the answer, but I don't know. I can give you the half of the book that I have. Honestly, I'm happy to be rid of it. Without the first part, it sucks. He reaches around in his fur for a couple of seconds before pulling it out and tossing it down to Herman. The five of you should spend some time in the underworld while you're here. The others would be excited to meet some surface dwellers. Clay stands and bows to Seth. We appreciate the offer, but we need to get the other part of this book and get it back to Vlad. Seth smiles. I see. So Vlad wants the book to be restored once again? Did he find that banshee he was looking for? Barry floats in the air and looks into Seth's eyes. Uh, was he looking for a specific one? Seth nods his head. From what I understand, yes. He mentioned something about there being a lone banshee left alive in some isolated abandoned town. Wesley uses his wings to join Barry above their friends. Everything we knew, Vlad already knew. What is he up to? Seth laughs while putting his hands down for the others to climb on. He lifts them up to their friends and looks at all of them. Aw, oh, come on, don't get the wrong idea. Vladimir von 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 is a friend and always does what's right for our world. He has unorthodox ways of doing so, but we stopped questioning them long ago. If you have questions, you must speak to him. I'm sure he'll give you the answers. Herman nods his head. He must have known we would show the Myrmizons and Aquafarians that not all surface dwellers are bad. Clay smiles at Seth. If what you say is true, we will stay for the night and indulge on what the underworld has to offer. Seth tosses them in the air and claps his hands before catching them. This is going to be so exciting. I'll leave my quarters for the night to celebrate with you. Barry looks at him confused. Why would you stay cooped up in here in the first place? Seth places the five friends on the ground before standing. I have been alive for a very long time. The older I grow, the more tired I get. I like my peace and quiet, so no one ranked lower than seven is allowed into my home. And before you ask how I live like this, I don't need much. I like sleeping on the soft dirt and eating food. Wesley walks over to the door and opens it. Well, let's get you some food then, big guy. Seth waves for them to go ahead with Phil and Lacey. I have to get ready. It has been a while since I've been in the public eye. Phil, Lacey, escort the five of them back to Steve. He should have a big enough wardrobe they can use. Herman laughs. I'm not sure they will have anything quite my orc size. Callie agrees. Probably not. I don't think they will have anything for a fine-ass elf, either. Seth waves goodbye to them. You'd be surprised at what the observers come across on their missions. I'll see you soon in the dining castle. Barry floats next to Clay as the five walk back towards the hut to find Steve. Ooh, weird-ass garments collected on secret society cult missions. 
I love playing dress up. Clay puts his arm around them as they approach the hut. This will be fun and much needed for everyone. They walk into the hut to find Steve and Tevin waiting for them. Steve steps forward. When Seth sends you back to me, it could only be for one thing. He swipes a curtain in the hut, knocking it down and revealing a closet with thousands of different types of clothing hanging up. Tevin steps over and grabs a black and gray suit. He walks it over to Herman. A suit big enough for you, Orc. Herman grins while grabbing it. No way! I can't believe it! No tailor on the surface would make a suit for me. Steve sifts through the clothes and grabs a long sparkling black dress for Barry and a short blue and gold one for Callie. I believe these will fit the two of you. Now for the dragon and human. Tevin moves through the clothes, searching. After a couple seconds, he pulls out a black and red suit made specifically for a dragon. He brings it to Wesley. This one is a rare find. It's the only one ever made to fit perfectly around a dragon's wings. Wesley stands speechless with a single tear running down his face. My dreams are finally coming true. Herman, we made it. The two laugh while running into a room to change. Barry and Callie smile at Clay while walking toward the room opposite of Herman and Wesley. Steve walks over to Clay and puts his paw on him. Worry not, human. I have the perfect suit for you. Steve walks Clay closer to the closet full of clothes while Tevin reaches in and pulls out a gold suit outlined with black onyx gems. Clay grabs it while Steve watches. It goes perfectly with that pretty onyx dagger necklace you're wearing. Tevin smiles while reaching his hand out for it. I think so, too. A special suit for someone with a special necklace. Before he can grab it, Clay backs away and looks at them. Hey, back off, Tevin. I'm going to go get changed. Steve turns around and looks at Tevin, concerned. What's the matter with you? Do you need to leave for the night? He shakes his head before walking out of the hut. Steve turns and looks at the room Clay went into. Paul sent me a secret message saying to watch out for Clay. After seeing that, my assumptions of him being worried about Tevin are correct. I'll stay close and protect you, Clay. A couple of moments pass by, and Clay walks out of the room with Wesley and Herman. Steve smiles at them. Glad to see that the suits fit. Unfortunately, your other friends are still getting ready. Wesley laughs. That's nothing new. We're always waiting on the two of them to get ready. Callie yells out from the room at them. And that is why you never look half as good as us. The curtains swing open, and Callie and Barry walk out in their dresses. Clay smiles at them. Uh, yeah, I would have to agree and say that the two of you definitely look better than us. Callie smiles while Barry blushes. This is overdoing it a bit by my standards, but damn, I'm cute. Steve walks into the closet and shuts the door. After a couple of seconds, he comes back out wearing a green suit outlined in silver. He walks out of the hut and looks at the friends. Our meals are always held in the dining castle. Follow me so we can begin the festivities. Herman walks out of the hut and looks to the only castle in the underworld. Isn't this great, guys? Seems like we're eating in castles from now on. Steve nods. We are lucky to have such a place. It helps everyone here in the underworld feel connected to one another. Keep your eyes open. You're going to see a lot of creatures thought to be extinct on the surface. As they get closer to the castle, they notice some of the extinct creatures. A woolly mammoth walks past them while talking to a great auk. They walk inside and see various dinosaurs talking with a group of dodo birds. Steve leads them into the massive hall and sits them down at a table. The friends continue to watch as Tasmanian tigers walk in and sit down next to more saber-toothed tigers. A couple of dragons, much bigger than Wesley, enter the room and sit down next to a T-Rex and a griffin. Three pegasus fly into the room and sit down next to some vampires, cavemen, and leprechauns. As everyone gets settled in, Seth makes his way into the room, wearing a ruby red suit outlined with sapphires. He walks past the massive tables where everyone sits and finds his spot at the end next to Steve and the five friends. 
A couple of seconds pass, and the room goes quiet while Seth stands. I know it has been a while since I joined everyone for supper, but tonight we have special guests visiting from the surface. The creatures at the table speak amongst themselves before staring back up at Seth. Now, now, I can assure all of you that they came here with no intentions of harming what we have here in the underworld. Not only that, but our secret society will stay intact as it always has. Vladimir von 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 was the one to send them here. We have to respect our number one and trust his actions. Steve stands up with him. As your number two, I concur. We should trust Vlad like we always have. These surface dwellers are different from the rest. Seth pats him on the back as he sits back down. Good boy, Steve. Everyone, enjoy the food and speak with them yourselves. You will see that they are different and want to help our world. Seth sits down while different creatures bring in massive plates with meat, veggies, and fruit covering them. They place them down on the tables for everyone to begin the feast. Leroy stands in the brick mansion with Vlad. How am I supposed to study Clay if he's out doing missions for you? Vlad sits on a couch drinking wine. Our arrangement was that you could examine him whenever you want if he gave you consent. You know that I've been on a mission long before you even came into this world. No matter what, I'm going to continue that mission until it's done. Leroy sits down next to him. I understand, Vlad. But there's something about Clay. Something that we can't let slip by. He could be the answer we've been searching for since you hired me. Vlad nods his head. I hired you to use science to help me with my mission. If Clay has the answers, they'll be revealed when the time is right. I urge you to be patient, Leroy. Leroy scoffs while standing off the couch. I have been more than patient with you. I cannot sit by while the chance to bring magic back to our world runs around on missions for you. Vlad rises slowly off the couch while staring into Leroy's eyes. And here I thought that your desire to bring magic back to our world had faded when I rescued you from the wizards. Don't tell me. Their ideals stuck with you, even though you are their hostage. Leroy walks to the door before turning and looking at Vlad. My ideals lie with science! But if I have a chance to rediscover magic, I have to take it. I'm sorry, Vlad. Vlad watches Leroy shut the door as he leaves the brick mansion. A couple of seconds pass before his butler walks in and hands him a $5 bill. I never should bet against you. Vlad laughs. You just enjoy being right, Goulard. Not to mention your crippling gambling addiction. Goulard smiles at him. Since your plan is going accordingly, what's going to happen next? Vlad sits back down and grabs his glass of wine. Leroy is going to seek out Malachi and the wizards. And then they're going to go after Clay and his friends. But they will already be in the underworld with Seth. Leroy and the wizards will make it to Rasta Lake to find that the Aquafarians and Myrmazons have changed their view on surface dwellers because of what I figured would happen. Goulard Butler sits next to Vlad while he pours him a glass of wine. You knew that Clay and his friends would be able to change Paul's no surface dweller law? And on top of that, let them into the tube system to get to the core? Vlad raises his wine glass and cheers to Goulard. What could I say? I've been around for a while, and have paid close attention to how every creature acts. My perception has gotten me to where I am today, and I am not done. Not until I get that banshee to decipher what truly happened long ago on Fede. Goulard Butler sits forward while drinking from his glass. Tell me again, why is it so important to find out what happened on Fede? Vlad sits with a concerned look on his face. I have spoken with thousands of ancients and other endangered species that lived during those times. 
All of them had a slightly different story on what they saw. Something tells me that what is taught in history books isn't entirely true. I believe that knowing the truth will bring our different races closer together. The two sit back on the couch relaxing and drinking their wine, while Leroy flies into Falfar. Back in the underworld, Clay sits next to Seth and Steve while his friends mingle with the other creatures at the tables. So, the two of you used to be surface dwellers, right? What do you remember about ancient times? Steve looks at Seth before turning to Clay. As your friend Callie mentioned earlier, my people became aware after adjusting to the world without magic. I still have memories of before, but they're blurry when I try to think about them. Seth nods his head. I was lucky enough to already be aware and civilized, but my people suffered from those that started to change after magic was stripped from our world. I did what I thought was best and found a way to live underground. I watched others suffer before gaining the courage to help them. When I think about ancient times, it makes my head and heart hurt. I'm sorry, Clay. Clay shakes his head. No, it's okay. I'm sorry you went through what you did. It must have been hard for all life after magic was gone. Seth points out to the creatures at the other tables. Your friends are already speaking with the others. Maybe they'll get the answers you seek. Before Clay can stand to go and join his friends, Tevin comes running into the room, holding a fresh piece of meat. I had our chefs cook this part of the oversized ostrich meat special for Clay. He sets it down in front of him and steps back. Wesley sits next to him while sniffing loudly. Whatever they did, it smells delicious. Tevin smacks Wesley on the back of the head. No, dragon. You ate your share. This is for Clay. Clay looks around at the different creatures smiling at him. He leans forward and takes a bite of the meat. Without hesitating, he devours the whole thing before sitting back. That was so good. Tevin smiles while standing behind him. Callie walks over with Barry and Herman following behind her. Tevin's face looks as dumb as his name sounds. What did he do now? Wesley laughs. <laughs> he brought Clay some special oversized ostrich meat. It looked and smelled so good. Callie smacks him on the back of the head while Barry looks at him. So what you're telling me is that the creepy, treacherous, murdery-ass Tevin came over here by himself with a special meal for Clay only, and you let him eat it? Herman joins in and smacks Wesley on the head. Come on, Wesley. How dumb can you be? You really didn't think about why it was only for Clay? Clay turns and looks at his friends, trying to catch his breath. Before he can say anything, he falls over and dies. Tevin erupts into laughter. <laughs> Humans can't eat oversized ostrich meat. Their stomachs can't process it. Seconds pass by and the meat gets regurgitated out of his stomach and shoots back onto the table. Wesley leans in close and sniffs again. Surprisingly, it still looks and smells pretty good. Callie smacks him again. That's disgusting! Grab the oversized ostrich meat before anyone else does. He turns back to grab the meat, but it's gone. Seth has it in his hand. I'm not letting good oversized ostrich go to waste. This stuff's rare down here. Before the friends can stop him, he tosses it into his mouth. Clay looks back to them as the meat. Guys, help me! Seth chomps down and swallows Clay. <laughs> he turns and looks at the friends, staring at him in disbelief. What? Haven't any of you had OO meat? It's the best. Barry jumps on top of Clay's body to grab the necklace, but it's missing. The necklace! It's gone! Where's Tevin? Callie and Wesley look around in a panic as Herman notices Tevin trying to sneak out. He yells to the different creatures in the room. Don't let that traitorous Myrmazon leave. The crowd of creatures leave the table and make a barrier blocking Tevin from leaving. Steve jumps to his feet and sprints toward him, tackling him to the ground. Uh. The necklace flashes blue in Tevin's hand. 
Clay gets surrounded by darkness while a static noise fills his ears. The green and gray lights flash on, revealing DG sitting on the couch in front of the TV. He waves at Clay while turning it off to get rid of the static sound. Long time no see, buddy. How's it going? Clay walks over and sits next to him. Eh, it's going. I just got turned into a piece of oversized ostrich meat before being eaten by a giant ground sloth. DG sits forward while a bubbling sound is heard under his robe. Any chance you found out anything about our memory loss? Clay shakes his head. I'm trying. Hopefully this book we're looking for will help with some answers. Whatever's going on, I think that somehow it's connected with ancient times. DG sits quietly for a couple of moments. What do you mean by ancient times? Clay looks at him confused. Can you not see the world I live in? It's technologically advanced and there's no magic. The Death Guide stands to his feet. That explains why there aren't any others here with me then. I did remember another thing about your ability earlier. When you were killed by a creature of higher intelligence, you can't become them. It only works with inanimate objects or primitive animals. The only way for you to get back into your body is for that necklace of yours to do whatever it does to get you back. Speaking of, where is your necklace? Clay feels his neck before looking around. That's weird. Every time I've come here, I've had it on me. DG shakes his head while a bubbling noise comes from under his robe again. That's not good, man. I think that means someone snagged it off your body. If that's the case, you're stuck here with me until you get your necklace. Hopefully those friends of yours are as badass as they sound. Clay sits back on the couch with the death guide, waiting to return to his body. <laughs> Steve stands on top of Tevin with a paw on his neck. <sighs> Move the wrong way and you're dead, Kevin. I spoke with Paul behind your back. Tevin scoffs while holding the necklace tightly. They have magic. The necklace is proof. The crowd of creatures gasp while Seth walks over to him. <gasps> he reaches down and moves Steve to the side. He places his big foot down on him while holding his hand out for the necklace. Hand it over and let's have a look. You're dead if you don't. Tevin grunts while holding the necklace up towards Seth. Before he can grab it, it starts to flash blue and float in front of him. <laughs> Seth smiles while it rises up toward his mouth. Ah, uh, I see. This is why Vlad showed interest in you. He opens his mouth and allows the necklace to fly in. Clay's eyes spring open on his body. He sits up and looks over at Seth. Oh, thank you. Seth smiles while opening his mouth back up. The necklace shoots out of it and flies over to Clay. It wraps around his neck while he stands and looks at Tevin. Even after everything your brother did for you, you still betrayed him? You're past being saved. He turns to Steve and nods his head. Steve jumps back on top of Tevin and uses his sharp claws to slit his throat. Ah! Everyone watches Seth walk over to Clay. I understand why Vlad sent the five of you to Paul. I can't explain it, but together you guys can change the world. Vlad has been trying for many years. I think he finally found the missing piece he's been searching for. Callie smirks at him. Uh, pretty sure you just declared us the saviors of the universe. Barry laughs. <laughs> I've always wanted to make a positive impact on the world. And apart from the very public execution we just watched, I feel like we've done that more than ever since meeting Clay. First Wesley with the halflings, then all of us convinced the Aquafarians and Mervazons that surfy folks can be trusted. Herman smiles wide. I mean, being called a hero has always been on my list of things to do. Wesley smacks Clay on the back. See? We just needed this human here to show us what our true calling was. Seth sits on the ground in front of them. I know that you being here in the underworld for a short amount of time has already changed the way we view surface dwellers. It's always possible for our world to change, but it will only do so if there are those that take action and make that dream come true. Clay stands proud. Vlad said something similar to us. He turns around and nods to his friends. Are you guys ready to change the world? They smile back at him for a couple of seconds. Finally, Callie erupts into laughter. 
sorry for destroying your moment, but holy shit, Clay, you are such a lame ass. Very Snickers with her. I'm drowning in all this cheese, which is honestly kind of how I want to go. Herman shrugs his shoulders while turning to Clay. Eh, it seemed on par with how the day's been going. Wesley nods his head. Yeah, man. I thought it was a pretty cool thing to say in that situation. Seth looks around confused at the other creatures before leaning in towards the friends. So, was that a yes? Are you guys ready to change the world? Steve laughs while stepping in front of him. Stop messing with them, Seth. Let's get them to the East Tube Station and brief them on where they're going next. You can cut the theatrics, too. Just tell them you spoke with Vlad already. Seth sighs while leaning back. Uh, why do you have to ruin my fun? Stuff like this doesn't happen in the underworld anymore, and you just killed Tevin like it was nothing. You need to show some more theatrics and have some emotions. Callie steps forward, annoyed. Are you fucking serious? Quit beating around the bush and tell us what Vlad said already. Seth scoffs. Uh, fine, you party poopers. I spoke with him after we met earlier in my home. I told him of the success you had and that you have retrieved the second half of the book. It sounded like him and Goulard Butler were relaxing and enjoying some wine. His plan is unfolding just as he suspected. Five of you are the key. He wanted me to say thank you for trusting him, and he hopes to see you at the tournament on Saturday. Wesley gasps in excitement. Yes! Rain of fire! Callie smiles while Barry floats into the air. Even after all these life-shattering events, I'm still stoked to go play some ROF. Herman nods his head. Once you get the taste of rain of fire, you yearn for it. Clay stands in front of Seth and Steve. <laughs> I think we're ready to get going to the East Tube Station. Where does this one lead to? Steve starts to chuckle while walking them out of the room. <laughs> Somewhere closer to the surface. Clay looks back to his friends with a smile on his face. Now, are you guys ready to go and change the world? They all laugh while nodding their heads and following behind him. Thunder roars loud while lightning whips around in the distance. Leroy sits at the top of Falfar's highest skyscraper watching the sky light up. A voice appears from behind him. You have five minutes to tell me everything. Leroy smiles while standing up. He turns around to see the wizard Malachi. You're going to need to give me more time than that. I was told that you're the one to speak to about bringing magic back to our world. Malachi opens the door behind him and waves for Leroy to come inside. Cassandra told me who you are and who you work for. Leroy scoffs while walking toward him. I no longer work with Vladimir Von Von Von. Give me what I want and I'll make sure you get what you desire. Malachi laughs while walking through the door. I see. Come inside, friend. Let's work out a deal while enjoying a drink with some dancers. Leroy's eyes light up as he walks into a club called the Witching Hour. He turns his head side to side, watching the different wizards and witches dancing on stages. Others walk around in skimpy outfits as cocktail waiters and waitresses. Leroy follows Malachi over to a purple curtain where two buff wizards stand on guard. He nods his head and the two push the curtain to the side, revealing Cassandra sitting at a table with three drinks. Malachi sits down while looking at Leroy. Sit and join us. Let's enjoy the night and come up with a plan to take out Vlad and finally return magic to our world. Leroy spins in a circle watching the different dancers on stage. He takes a deep breath before smiling and sitting down with Malachi and Cassandra. I have a lot of different ideas for how we can do both of those things. Malachi and Cassandra maniacally smile as he sits down. They raise their drinks and toast before they begin their discussion. That was nuts. Our intrepid heroes descended even further into the Earth and uncovered more secrets about the nature of their reality. Indeed they did. And it seems like there's still much more to be unearthed. 
quite like the conspiracy between Malachi and Leroy, that dubious birdman. I must say, I'm quite enthralled to find out what they and Cassandra are up to. I hate when you dumbasses talk like that. Yeah, seriously, let's wrap this up. There's no reason to keep anyone this time. Our death guide is already long gone. Uh, Very well, but before we go, obviously we want to thank Anchor for giving us an easy and reliable place to make our podcast. Uh, They also distribute this to the different platforms for all of you to listen to, which is pretty awesome. And lastly, remember to follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or just go to our website at www.deathshifter.com. You'll find all the links there, as well as down below in the episode description. If you're interested in supporting us and gaining access to exclusive trailers, bonus episodes, and more, check out patreon.com slash deathshifter. Thanks for listening, and remember... Don't forget to tip your dead dad.